0: So we ended up having to colour it in with Sharpies in order to try, in order to get it the right colour and it's just like, it's really silly things like that that you think, this is this going to work? No, this is mad, we can't be doing this and it's like, well, what other options do we have?
1: Ever wondered what the creative process is behind the films, TV shows and theatre productions you watch? Well, Crew Chats is a new podcast going behind the scenes and chatting to the crew that help make these productions. I'm Poo and I usually work in the costume department. Whenever I tell people what I do, they're always fascinated. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool to hear more from the wonderful people who work behind the scenes to make the films and shows we all love? Today's guest is Lizzie Mool who grew up on a farm in Lancashire where after a trip to Hampton Court Palace and seeing the reenactors, coupled with watching costume dramas on television Lizzie became fascinated with the world of costume. Later as a part of school work experience Lizzie had the opportunity to do some work at a wedding dress shop where she was able to learn how to alter and bead dresses amongst other things. Lizzie went on to study costume with performance design at the Arts University Bournemouth and upon graduating got a job as a trainee on the TV show Lewis. Ever since Lizzie has been working in the industry predominantly as a costume standby. She has worked on productions such as Florence Foster Jenkins, The Durrells and Corfu, Phantom Thread, Misbehaviour and Men in Black International, to name a few.
0: Hi Lizzie. Hi Finan.
1: Uh Thank you for coming on to the podcast.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Uh, pleasure. Now, you're a costume standby. You do dabble in other bits of the industry as well in the costume world, but your predominant role is being a costume standby. Could you explain to us what that involves, please?
0: A costume standby is um, you basically look after the whole set side of things as to what's being filmed, and you'll have a certain set of actors that or stunt people that you will look after and that you're kind of assigned to them. And um, you may share them uh, with other standbys when like, people's workloads get too heavy, but you'll basically the person there to oversee everything for the um, costume designer um, and make sure it's looking the way that they envisaged it to look Um, and also you're kind of so you're like a real-time communicator and you're kind of knitting together the wishes of the costume designer, the actors, the director it's also a lot of practicalities and just basically trying to get from a costume side of things the whole shooting day smoothly done or Mm. done as smoothly as possible and that's sort of like practicality side you're also looking after the continuity so things are not shut in sequence dependent on locations or actors availabilities and so you need to know the script and the breakdowns for it Uh, so you know for instance that well they walked into the house wearing hats and a coat and you might be shooting the reverse of that door at another location or on a set build or something so you need to make sure that that actor is still looking exactly the same as they were when we saw them walking into the building and yeah it's just like just planning ahead and making sure it all all works.
1: Thank you that was very uh, concise explanation. So the next question I was going to ask you is about just in terms of you being on set is how does an average day on set um start how what is an average day on set like for you from beginning to end
0: um okay so you come in and to work and you have your a call sheet which outlines exactly what they're planning on shooting that day and will kind of give you an idea of what time the actors are meant to be dressing at and going into hair and makeup and then you have on the truck or wherever the space you're working from, you have a lineup which will hopefully have been put in place the day before, which is a breakdown of all the scenes that are being shot that day, like all the costumes and, and elements of the costumes that are needed in, in those scenes. So you will put, according to the call sheet, put the first costume into the actor's room, the first costume that they're going to get into. Um, and then depending on whether it's a period show and you need to actually physically help dress them, um, or whether it's contemporary and they can kind of dress themselves, and um, then that's like the, the main thing of, of the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just getting everything ready to go down to set. So if in the scene somebody's getting wet, so then you need to take down like water spray bottles and towels and it's just like it's planning all of that stuff mm. planning what you're going to need for the day and um, so you go down to set and then you just gradually work through the pool sheet and um, and have to plan ahead in terms of what changes you need for other scenes in the day and whether the actors are going to be changing at base or somewhere on set because base is too far to get back to so it's just, it's basically being in constant communication with the A.D.s um, and the costume designer and various departments, is trying to make it all go as smooth as possible, really.
1: Mm. And you mentioned the obviously your biggest job there is obviously getting the actors ready. Um, what is it? Do you need to cultivate a relationship? I think, and in, in maybe I'm referring more to when you're when you're working with principal actors. Do you need to cultivate a relationship with those actors? And how important is that then relationship?
0: No definitely it's it's so important especially because if you're doing a period show and you're you're having to put women into corsets or or you've got any scenes with nudity or anything like that you're kind of it's really funny because quite a lot of the time you could meet that person for the first time and you're expecting to walk into their trailer with them and get them to basically take all of their clothes off (laughs) Um, and it's we're all professionals they're so professional we're professional um but we are all still humans and I think that it's really important that you put people at ease and try and take away some of the embarrassment that there can be sometimes of course Um, and then also it's just it's really good to be on the same page in terms of how they see their character and also that they can come to you with any any issues or ideas that you can then relay back to the costume designer maybe or um, I mean most of this has already been ironed out in fittings already but that generally happens more with the bigger budget stuff yeah so I've done big budget films, and then also really, really small TV things or little comedy shows where it's especially like sketch shows, and it's your it's kind of like everyone's thinking on their feet the whole time, and they'll be like, maybe we could have a rhinoceros costume or something. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's just it's they're all different, and there's different luxuries uh, depending on budget. It's really important that that you you build this relationship really
1: yeah and likewise with also then the other crew as well that you're working with because on aside from obviously your relation to you know the whatever your relationship with the costume designer and the other sort of standbys that you'll be working with and say the wardrobe mistress or wardrobe master on set that sort of the camera the um prop standby the hair and makeup teams yeah. the you know the script supervisor all that that kind of relationship is it i mean i know what it's like but i think you'll probably be better to explain
0: dynamics and that yeah (laughs) so the you're you're really close to hair and makeup because you're essentially in the same space working on the same people and you you become very much a bit like a tag team and you really help each other out as well Um, there's quite a lot of crossovers there and also just in terms of sharing information it's like oh well I've just heard that this might happen and it's always good to like that they might plan to do this during the day and it's good to pass that those bits of information onto those other people as well because knowledge is power and but also props sound department we all work so closely together and then also it's like the camera department there it's really good to have a, a strong working relationship with them as well um and then also it's a quite a stunt heavy job and um, then the relationship with stunts and like, especially if we have got stunt rehearsals and trying to work out um what's the best way in order to make the costume behave in a certain way in order for the stunt that they're doing and to try and hide as many bits of harness there's so many different facets to
1: being on set okay so i'm going to circle back to your beginnings is how did you get into this world
0: I so I grew up in um northwest of England um in Lancashire and where I went to school it was kind of I grew up on a farm and you're kind of viewed as prime farmer's wife um like <laughs> material <laughs> so, but, and I was a bit like mm, that's not the life for me Um, so I just I loved I just I loved watching period dramas like Poirot and and absolutely loved their costumes and even like the Catherine Cooksons and all that sort of thing and then I think when I was probably about 11 or 12 came down to London to stay with our aunt that lived in Epsom and we went in Hampton to went to Hampton Court Palace and there was like all of the um, the reenactors there in the costumes, and I was like, oh, maybe, uh, maybe I want to be a reenactor. And then I quickly realised that it wasn't acting that I wanted to do. It was like it was just a, a draw to the costumes that they were wearing. And then I kind of remembered that it, we had like a, um, we had a careers lesson. Yeah. And you'd kind of sit there at this computer, and you had to answer a questionnaire as to what your what your preferences were what was and it would tell you at the end of it what job you'd be suitable for and mine came out as a postman and I was like so random it's a a good job perfectly respectable but not really what I want to do I had this really good careers advisor who helped me I kind of like realized that I wanted to do costume in films I think I just especially read an interview about the making of Lord of the Rings and costume department in that and just the thought that had gone into it in terms of scales of pockets and lengths of uh, waistcoats in order to try and make it look as though that these like human-sized people were tiny little hobbits I thought right, that's really interesting and then also hearing about the, make, the making department, like the stress of trying to get everything done, it will be last minute and them literally being sat in the back of vans going down to set desperately trying to finish off costumes. And I just thought this sounds like such an amazing and exciting environment to be in. Just love the thought of it. But so my careers advisor, he helped me get a work placement at a wedding shop down the road in the local town they there's this wonderful lady there who did they're called Alex and she did all the alterations and she was just so clever and taught me how to do beading and alterations um, and like cutting on the stand and stuff and then she if something wasn't right then she'd just make me go back and do it and it she gave me this really strong ethic of you've just, got to, don't bash it out you've just got to get it mm. done perfectly which I think has definitely okay. helped um throughout my career and then so I finally got a place at Bournemouth at the Arts Institute um during costume for the screen and stage Um, I specialized as a non-tailored maker and when we were there they they sort of said to us that The impression that we got was either you're a maker or a designer and it was very theatre and ballet driven. And then we had a guest lecturer that came in called Claire Collins and she did a lot of filming on set and is a costume designer Um, and she introduced us to the whole filming side. After that I got a trainee job on Lewis and that was it really. from, from, From there, so yeah wonderful john and esther that took me on board and jules Merritt that trained me up and yeah it was just that's it since
1: then it's quite interesting what you said about the university i think it's quite common i think i would say the same for us there was those in between roles you were either it was making or designing you know you didn't really hear about super you heard about it but it wasn't really something that it was kind of you shown a path to like supervising or bit working in the wardrobe aspect of it or crowd supervising or um dressing all those things weren't really addressed I guess as careers and there's so so many many of us working.
0: Yeah, exactly. yeah, completely. It, it, it just seemed really bizarre that that wasn't touched upon. But I think maybe that was just if it possibly the lecturers that were there at the time. They were very much from a theatre and ballet backgrounds. And um, it was a real eye opener, just finding this whole other side well, of it. Yeah. Because then, so when I, I started doing trainee jobs in TV at the time, then it was it was 12 years ago and the film industry well for a start I didn't know anybody in the film industry and that was probably one of the only reasons why I went to university was because I, I knew nobody yeah. um, and it was just one way of getting my foot through the door so then finding this whole on set side of things because then when it was quiet in the winter I would then go and help do making for Wicked and West End theatre productions they had their cast changes so that being able to sew and to sew to a high standard really helped with also just like pay the bills through the winter but it did make me realise that actually the workroom wasn't the place for me it is really it is a really nice environment and you work with such clever people like the talents that are in there but I think the biggest thing for me about filming is the camaraderie on set and the, the teamwork that goes into it not just the costume department but the whole crew as a whole yeah um, and the amazing people that you meet is like it's so I think that's one of the best things is that you realize how surprising people are how many are the strengths to people's bows that they have yeah and it, it, how unexpecting people can be and like you can be on set and you're working with olympic olympic athletes or <laughs> um, like somebody that's really clever at making but beautiful leather work and um or like can fly planes and you just think yeah I thought you were an AD and that was your yeah. main thing or a chippy or yeah people are very surprising and it gives you a bit of a kick to think I can't I can't just dedicate my whole of my life to filming as well it's like there's it's such a bigger world out there yeah
1: yeah So when you're working on set obviously you've there would have been x amount of time dedicated to sort of mitigating things going wrong, backup plans, all those kinds of things but inevitably sometimes things do go wrong. Um, Has there been a moment of a bit of a challenge on set and then how have you sort of dealt with that?
0: Well I'd say that the main part of my job is generally just fighting fires so it (laughs) does happen all the time. There's There's other silly things like the time constraints With with filming, sometimes you you don't have much time to get things made and turned around. And I was on this one job, and we needed a um, it was 1930s, and we needed a a double of a cardigan and for a stunt woman to wear. So it's a double of what the principal's wearing. And we so we sent the original cardigan off to the knitter it because they were going to replicate it but because we we only had like less than a day for the knitter to see it and get it back to us oh wow because just how it was in terms of the schedule yeah we we needed that cardigan the next day because the actress was wearing the hero one so the cardigan goes off um, and then comes back to us and then a few days later the double cardigan turns up I am I'm not sure what had happened I don't know whether so the it was all the correct size and everything however the color of the cardigan was about three shades lighter than oh. the original one and it was going on camera the next morning and so the supervisor and the other standby and myself were a bit like Ooh, this is not <laughs> going to match what are we going to do so and I don't know whether it because the knitter had so such a short amount of time with it in the first place that maybe they'd taken measurements and worked out what stitches they were going to use and maybe like taken photographs and I don't know whether the colour match had then been done to the photographs rather than the actual cardigan in person so we thought right okay let's try and um, dip it in tea or potassium permanganate and absolutely nothing would stick to this cardigan oh wow so we ended up having to colour it in with sharpies
1: in order to, try,
0: in order to get it the right colour, and it's just like it's really silly things like that that you think, is this going to work? No, this is mad. We can't be doing this. And it's like, well, what other options do we have? Like, let's just let's try it because there was like quite a few different shades to it, and it, yeah, we just we just had to go for it. And it worked. I mean, we got it. We got it past pa- pa- like camera and
1: oh wow ingenuity yeah it's best I'd
0: say then yeah, just definitely. Definitely. always have a packet of sharpies I tell you Invaluable. invaluable <laughs> yeah or <And pastels. laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: well, part of your kit I imagine you've got you've got a very well I know you have a very big kit that you lug around with you from place to place so oh my God, no. the randomness of it all probably comes into use at some some stage whether you think it would or wouldn't
0: It's well, that's it. Because you can always guarantee that you will need something at some point, and it's you like, oh, I've got one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Voila.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So. I remember you said that your love of costume began watching all the period dramas and then obviously now in your day job you are sometimes putting those costumes on people. What has been the most complicated costume, it might not be a period costume in fairness, um, complicated costume had to put on someone?
0: So probably the most complicated costume would be spacesuits and then especially because in terms of in order to do like space walks then the casts are on harnesses and wires so mm. then it's then having it the wires don't get caught on things and but there's these amazing team of so fbfx they are we they're the team that we use to create these spacesuits mm. and they're just so clever it's insane what you can build and but with it there's all these different layers that go underneath to make them look like it's got the right compression uh, for them being out on space and all the different elements that that clip onto it and it would take like 15-20 minutes to just constantly putting more components on and on and on Wow. And the ones that they managed to hide in there and inbuilt fans to keep the cast cool and it's just yeah that's probably the most complicated but then even putting a corset on someone can be a bit tricky I so yeah. especially if especially if they don't particularly like wearing corsets yeah um, it, a lot of it sort of depends on who's in who's in the garment as well so yeah
1: yeah I guess that's where your relationship with them comes into play, doesn't it, and how you can yeah,
0: sort of make them feel
1: comfortable and
0: well, I think one of the biggest things about our job is the fact that you just you need to remember that we're all human beings as well, and we're all we all get a bit tired and Um, we've all we're all doing these long hours and have these pressures on us so if you can just try and be nice to people then it it makes the day a lot nicer and uh, so like if you've got an actress that maybe she got picked up at like half four in the morning had a really early call in the chair for hair and makeup and then has like been in a corset all day and so sometimes if they've got a, a scene off then they've gone back to their trailer to have a bit of a asleep and you have to or like just to relax and you you then get the call that they're in the next scene so you've got to go and put them back together again so to speak like get them back in their corsets then like it's just things like take them a cup of tea or something who wants to yeah. be woken up and shoved in a corset and <laughs> <Yeah>. I don't know <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah and also knowing what you can and can't get away with as well
1: like you say it's the little touches and have built having had that relationship built with them as well which goes a long way okay. The question would be then what skills do you think you need to be a costume standby
0: okay communication that's mm. like massive key that's like the main part of your job and i think you need to be discreet because uh especially if you're a principal standby and just anyone as a whole we like in the crew as a whole we all leap we all lean on each other and we go through a lot during the job and you there's a lot of stuff you find out about people or that they say to you in confidence and um both like actors and crew members. So yeah. well, you need to be discreet. Good at forward planning, most definitely, because you need to be not only throughout the day do you need to forward plan. So like looking at whilst you're filming a scene, you still need to be thinking about the next scene you're filming. Have you got everything in place for there? Do you need any changes sent down? And um, Do you need like any breakdown stuff and what have you? If you're suddenly moving outside and you need to make sure you've got enough things to keep the actor warm, um, then also you need to be looking ahead to the next day as well or the next week and know that you've got stunts coming up or and any alterations that or anything that's been damaged that that's all been repaired. Um, You're kind of like that all in charge of that. I'd also say being able to sew is not ne- is not a necessity, but it's really, really helps me out, and especially the like the early days, then I think that I, most of the time I did get a job because I had a car and I could sew so and yeah. I was like eager, I'm not eager, but willing to get out of bed at God knows what time in the morning. <laughs> um, so and the amount of times that I've been pulled off set to because a costume is turned up and the co- the costume designer doesn't like something about it or that feels like the shoulders are too wide on a jacket or something and the fact that you can do a fitting and um, make alterations yeah. then that's invaluable because otherwise like to have a person that can do that so if you can be that person then that's brilliant yeah uh, just like good with people in general and also have a just get a really good knowledge of other departments and what they do and like and you realize a lot of the time it looks like quite quite a lot of the time it's like people are just sort of sat around doing not a lot but actually there's a lot more to people's jobs than than you realize which is amazing that you're doing these podcasts (laughs) or learn a little bit more about what the other person does (laughs) yeah completely completely and also because then you can sort of use it it's a tool to be used to your advantage you know if you're in a pickle who can who might be able to help you out or if you can help them out and it's it just makes the whole day go a bit smoother as well so and teamwork is the best thing it's like that's probably one of the biggest things I love about my job is teamwork yeah to be in in that environment yeah, I agree.
1: So that brings me on to
0: my final and favourite
1: question, which is, what are your three slash four, I suspect, um, favourite to watch recommendations?
0: So I am going to go with, the first one is Cold War, um, which is shot by a really amazing um, Polish film director called Pawel Pavel oh. Um And it is just so beautiful it starts at the end of the 40s and goes through periods of time um to the 60s and it's set in poland and paris and it's all it's in black and white but it's the most vibrant and vivid film considering it's black and white and it's kind of following a troop of folk singers and it's so beautiful every single shot is like a photograph. It's just and the like the story behind it is just like this amazing tragic love story. Yeah, it's stunning. He's such an amazing director. Oh yeah, really Check good. Out. Yeah, definitely. And then Watchmen, the HBO TV series.
1: Uh, I've heard good things about this.
0: It is so good. We were addicted watching it. It's like one of the first things that I've watched in a while that I was like, I wish I had worked on that. I'd like it just the the costumes are amazing like the production value is insane and the the writing behind it it's like it's so clever so clever there's some certain aspects that you're like how on earth does this relate where where are they going to go with this yeah it's kind of it's set slightly slightly in the future I think and but it goes back to 1920s America and it's set in Tulsa America, the leading lady in it, the main protagonist, who is played by Regina King. Oh, I loved. Oh my gosh, she is just so badass in it. She's brilliant. She, yeah, yeah, she's an absolute tonic. And it's really clever how different episodes go back in time as well. And it's almost, it's almost like a bit of a palate cleanser as well from to like the the contemporary episodes. And it's just, it's so clever, so clever. Um, and then my. third one is a documentary called salt of the earth and it's um about the brazilian photojournalist called sebastio salvado and about his career and it's his his son has made this production lots of interviews with sebastio and they go out he so he he, he originally he was a um, social photojournalist and he would cover all like the massacres like rwanda and um the when the qat oil fields got set on fire and it's like the atrocities that he's seen and photographed it's like astounding and he just was um yeah he just really cares about the world um and then he kind of got into he had took a break for a while because he's starting to become really ill because of the things that he'd seen oh wow um and he's got into like nature photography, photography, and um, like, and he did a really wonderful piece about tribes in in the Brazilian rainforest, and um, yeah, he's just such a, a wonderful man. Like the changes that he has tried to make to the world through his photos, and just to highlight the the ugly side to humanity, but also the beauty of it as well, and mm. how nature and tumours can prevail and yeah it's and uh, yeah because imagery is just stunning my little wild card spring watch it's flipping brilliant <laughs> spring watch autumn watch winter watch any of them it, yeah. is that
1: the bill Oddie and i forget the ladies no, it's
0: Chris ah. the yeah it's so good and i guess that's like a similar nod to salt of the earth it's just we can spend so much time in a dark studio um and so in grace engrossed in these make-believe worlds or like a, a story basically yeah. and forget to look at the world around us which is yeah pretty beautiful i've been known to have a set of binoculars in my kit bag as well One of the <laughs> <laughs> <Good> oh. <watching. laughs>
1: i like that curve ball that's a very nice note to end on as well actually i think you're right uh, there's a lot of beauty out there for us to see
0: um we need to look after as well is like, right
1: yeah no, that's very true i think it's hopefully post lockdown we've come away with a, bit, a new appreciation for yeah. the world around us and how we take care of it so yeah,
0: definitely because yeah. we need it so yes we do we, we would be
1: <laughs> without it <laughs> indeed um Thank you very much for your recommendations and thank you for coming on the podcast Dizzy. It's been really fun.
0: Thank you for having
1: me. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed my chat with Lizzie. Tune into the next episode where I'll be speaking to makeup and prosthetic designer Yana Carboni. And if you get a moment, could you please like, follow or subscribe on your podcast platform and follow the Crew Chats podcast on Instagram. Thank you.